This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. It's that time of the year where we get to look forward into 2020. So forget everything that happened in 2019 for us value investors. And some of it we do want to forget. Not all, but some of it we do. Um, It's time to consider where the deals will be, not where they were. And so even without running a single stock screen, I can already predict that the energy stocks will likely be hot, especially here in January 2020, because they were so hated in 2019. And the insiders who know their businesses and know when their stock gets oversold, they've been diving in for about a month or so now. And we also hit new multi-decade lows in the industry. So um, many of the stocks, a couple were trading at like 20 year lows. And then you hear all these people on the news talking about the lost decade in energy, because basically if you owned the ETFs during the last 10 years, while the rest of the stock market was off and running and hitting new highs, you went nowhere in energy. And so when you hear a lot of headlines like that, as a value investor, it's, it's, it is giving you clues to what's going to be coming because when something is that much down on its luck, usually you do see some kind of turnaround. It may not be as dramatic as you hope it will be, but um, usually when it's, you know, everybody is running out of an industry like that, you do see some kind of turnaround. So I did just do a podcast here on the Value Investor Podcast looking at some of the energy stocks in the exploration and production side, the ENPs. And so I encourage everybody to listen in on that podcast. And it was looking at whether or not the energy stocks are values or traps here. And so that looks into the earnings. And so go over there if you want to, you know, some names that we looked into about whether or not they were traps here. And I do have to say, though, with energy now, it is getting a lot of talk about how it's been oversold. And suddenly the fear that was there maybe at the beginning of December here in 2019, that fear has kind of gone away. And you're starting to see people saying things like, oh, it's so obvious that energy is going to be big. But crude is back above 60. The WTI is back above 60 here, which it hasn't been for about three months. And that's sending a little bit of a better vibe through the energy stocks. And it was just oversold. So you are starting to see a bounce back in some of these names already here. They're also making the lists of uh, best for dividend yields because they are paying the highest yield in a couple decades, actually, uh, because they have the cash flows and they've been raising the dividend. Some have been adding dividends for the first time ever as well to reward the shareholders who have suffered in this lost decade, right? So they're giving you dividends and share buybacks to keep you around. So yeah, I feel like energy is one of the areas to look at for 2020. But where else may value shine? The ones that are not so obvious. I want to do some screens to look at, see where our stocks cheap right now as we head into 2020, because those are the ones that are going to be the value stocks for 2020. And um, people have already fled them. That's why they're cheap right now. And will people be diving into these areas in the new year They may be as they're looking for something that's not maybe overbought like some of the growth stocks are. So I wanted to screen 
for Zach's rank number ones, because those are our best stocks with rising earnings estimates right now. And I wanted them to be cheap. Who are the number ones that are really cheap right now? So really cheap meant a PE under 15. And I also added price to sales ratio under one, because that means I'm getting those sales. So a dollar worth of sales, if it's 0.7, I'm getting it for 70 cents every dollar of sales. That's a pretty good value. So I plugged all that in and that screen returned me 31 stocks. So that's a decent number. Um, and of course, you're not going to find many tech companies on this list because they're just not cheap enough here anymore after the big run-up they've had this year. Um, they're not making it on there. But it did have some home builders. There were two on the list. It had some cheap retailers because not all the retailers are cheap, but some are definitely. And it had a lot of the car retailers. Remember them? <laughs> I've kind of been sticking away from those guys because car sales are still on the decline. There's some issues with the auto loans now, people looking a little bit dubious on some of those. So those remain cheap because Wall Street's running away from them too. So I decided to take a look at the cheapest retailers who showed up on this list. So these are the ones that are still relatively cheap, but have rising earnings estimates because they got that Zach's number, rank, uh, number one rank. So that's kind of an interesting combination. And um, so I pulled out, there was more than three names on here, but I pulled out three that I felt were kind of interesting. So let's dive right in and see what these are. So the first one on the list is Dick's Sporting Goods. DKS is the ticker there. They just had a good, real solid earnings report. Year to date, though, these shares are up about 50%, and they're up really big after this last earnings report. And so I'm kind of looking at it a little skeptical. What? They've already had a 50% run this year. How can they still be cheap? But they got the PE of 13, price to sales of 0.48. So um, pretty cheap and rising earnings estimates again. So that's a nice combination. The second company, not quite as cheap. Actually, their PE is not under 15. I take that back. This screen must have been under 20 here. Um, so the second company is Target, TGT. It's really come into its own. It was kind of trading um, in a more narrow range and hadn't broken out until this year. Shares are up 93% year to date. So all you people out there thinking Apple is the only way to go. Well, I was kind of shocked by this because I have not been following the Target story. 93%. Wow. Super hot. Is there still more gas in the tank? I don't know. The PE now is 19.7. So not super expensive, but not as cheap as they were earlier this year. But price to sales, just 0.8. So I got to like that. Um, so Target's one, maybe keep on the watch list. See if you get a pullback anywhere. You might want to get in on that one. And then the third one is one most of you probably haven't heard of, or unless you have teenagers or young adults, then maybe you have, and it's Tilly's. Ticker is T-L-Y-S, and their PE is just 13.4. Price to sales is 0.56. They're only up 8.5% year-to-date, so you can see why they made this list. So Tilly's, they're West Coast-inspired apparel, footwear, and accessories for teens and young adults. This is really hard market to be in. Some of them succeed <laughs> selling to the teenagers. Some do not because it's so much on the trends. So if you get the trend wrong, you it's not good. You get everything wrong. But Tilly's has been 
on the trend positive. Um, it's still had positive comps in the third quarter from both its stores and e-commerce, up 3.1% in the quarter. They have 232 stores, so not real small in 33 states and a lot um, also the online sales. But most of their sales are actually done still in the stores. And as we know from what Gen Z has been saying, they do like going into the stores. So it's not all about online sales with Tilly's. So that's one that's kind of a uh, one that has not had the big boom here in 2019 that you might want to keep on your list as one to watch for 2020 because some of these retailers with rising earnings estimates could be um, stocks to watch in again in 2020. But what if I expanded this list to both number ones and number twos, which are just the buys? I wanted to see what else I would get in the list. And um, I did get other things. I got a lot of small banks. And that's what I thought I might get with the number ones, but apparently they're not, not enough of those small banks are number ones because the financials, while they are having an okay year, have still lagged the overall market, especially the small cap financials. But it's really hard to weed through hundreds of small cap bank stocks. <laughs> like There are analysts who cover just the small cap banks, and I salute them because <laughs> it's really hard to see any differences in a lot of the business models with small cap banks. They are really, uh, you know, just local and um you know, it's based on what the local economy is doing and how well that management is handling these low interest rates and, you know, how well they do providing mortgages to the community and small bank or small business loans, things like that. So, uh, but using the Zach's rank, I can weed it down because at least it's giving me some small banks with rising earnings estimates and that have analyst coverage because a lot of the small banks don't even have an analyst on them, right? Because there's literally hundreds, if not thousands of small banks out there and hundreds of them are publicly listed. So I'm relied on the Zach's rank to narrow down the list. And if I add the number twos to the screen, I do get some. So I thought I'd bring a couple of them with me today because we don't really talk about the small banks much and you never really hear them talked about out there. So um, I'm going to give you two names here of ones that popped up on this list. And um, I'm going to give you some of the details here. And they both have two analysts on both of these banks. So the first one is Bridge Bank Corp. And the ticker is BDGE. And they describe themselves as a commercial bank established in 1910 with 40 retail branches on Long Island and the greater New York area. So if you're on Long Island, you may know Bridge Bank Corp. They have assets of just $4.7 billion, so they are on the small cap side, a market cap of $676 million. But that's not even as small as what you can find sometimes. You can find analysts covering banks that literally have a market cap of like $80 million. So keep that in mind. That's really small. But these guys, $676 million, so I like that. I like it's a little bit bigger, um, but still small. And year-to-date, these shares are actually beating the S&P 500 now. They're up 29.7 versus 27.2 for the S&P 500, but still pretty cheap, PE of 13.2. 
And earnings expected to be up 8.6% in 2020, which isn't bad considering where these rates are. So I kind of like that that those earnings are looking a little bit uh, brighter there in 2020, which is why they got the good rank. Dividend yield, they do pay one, and it's yielding 2.7 right here. So that's not too bad either, given the run in the stock. So that's Bridge Bank Corp., one of the small banks. You're going to have to do your own analysis. There are two analysts on it, but not a lot of coverage. And you're only really going to get press releases every quarter for banks like this. You're not, you know, unless they get bought out or acquire someone else, there's not going to be a lot of announcements in between there with these kind of smaller banks. But that's Bridge Bank Corp, BDGE. Uh, The second one is called First Defiance Financial Corp, ticker FDEF, as in Frank. And they also have a similar market cap, $616 million, and again, the two analysts. But they are a holding company for the First Federal Bank of the Midwest and the First Insurance Group. So this one's a little different because they got this insurance arm, too. So they operate 44 full-service branches in Northwest and Central Ohio, Southeast Michigan, and Northeast Indiana. So if you're in one of those areas... You may have an account at First Federal Bank of the Midwest, so you know these guys. They also operate that first insurance group. It is an insurance agency, and they have nine offices throughout Northwest Ohio. So these shares are up 25% year-to-date, so almost in line with the S&P, which, again, is up 27.2, so that's not too bad. They have a PE of just 12.4, so a little cheaper than Bridge Bank Corp., And um, earnings for 2020 expected to be up 4.2%, but they are seeing double digits here or expected to in 2019 up 11.6. So that's pretty good earnings growth, again, for just like an average run-of-the-mill bank with these um, interest rates at such a low rate. It's hard for them to make money off that. One of the analysts here has been raising earnings estimates for 2020 in the last 30 days. That's why you got the good Zach's rank here. You're getting a dividend yield of 2.88%. So not too shabby here either with this dividend yield up almost or almost at a 3% yield. That's not too bad. But as I said, it's really hard to choose, pick and choose amongst all the small banks. I mean, I could go on and on and give you, you know, the bank of the Southeast. I'm sure there's one called that. There's banks, you know, these regional community banks, the smaller guys all over the state of Texas and California. You know who your regional banks are. So you might want to start there if you're interested in regional banks and start looking around at um, what is going on with some of them. Some, it may not be a good story. And that's where you can kind of turn to the Zach's rank to see if there's analyst coverage and if those earnings estimates are on the rise. That's how you can narrow down the list. But another way to go about it with these small banks is to look at the ETFs. So I always turn back to um, one of the community bank ETFs, and it's the First Trust um, NASDAQ Community Bank Index Fund, and it's QABA. But to be honest, when I just put in small cap ETF funds into Google, I didn't even find this one originally. <laughs> so I I wasn't, you know, at first like, oh, wait, I haven't talked about this in a while and I haven't checked in on it. Maybe they closed it down. Maybe it doesn't even exist, but it still does. QABA. 
but um, it does have very small amount of net assets right now. It's only $144 million of net assets in there. And a lot of times the ETFs are closed when it gets below $100 million. So keep that in mind. It is very kind of thinly traded. Year-to-date, it's up 20% versus the 27.2 for the S&P 500, but not surprising because the banks in general have lagged a bit still. Um, I did look at the top 10 holdings in this one, and they are on the bigger side of, even though it says community bank. So the biggest holding is Commerce Bank Shares. That ticker is CBSH. They have a market cap of $7.6 billion. So not, not small, not compared to these other ones we were just talking about. And then as the second largest is East West Bank Corp. EWBC is that ticker. And they're around $7 billion as well. So that's not small. This this uh, ETF does pay the dividend. It's yielding 2.2% right here. And the expense ratio is a little bit higher because of it being a more niche player. And the expense ratio is 0.6%. So I wasn't too you know, super satisfied with this option of going for the community bank. It used to be kind of the option, but um, I looked around a little bit more to see what else was out there. And Invesco has a S&P small cap financials ETF. And I thought this one was interesting. It doesn't just include banks though. This ticker is PSCF, as in Frank again at the end there. So PS. CF. And so banks are 39.5% of this ETF. So you're still getting the bank exposure, but you're also getting equity REITs at 26.8%. Insurance is just about 11%. The mortgage REITs are 7.5%. Then you're getting thrifts and mortgage finance at 7.2%. Capital markets is 3.3%. Consumer finance, 2.3% real estate management and development, 1.8%, and then to round it out, diversified financial services at about 0.7%. So it's still hugely into the banks, and then you get the equity REITs. So combined, those are about oh, 40, 50, 60, 66% of the whole shebang here is um, banks and the REITs part of it. But so you're not getting the pure play on just the banks, which is hard to get. But nobody really wants to be in the pure play banks right now, I'm afraid. Only some of us who are glutton for punishments. And and Warren Buffett, who has over 50% of Berkshire Hathaway, is now in the financials, not just banks over there either. He owns a lot of insurance as well. But um, he's big into the financials too. But this one uh, also has a little bit smaller on the net assets as well, 127 million in net assets, which is kind of nearer the bubble of that 100 million where they might not run it anymore. Um, year to date, up 19.7%. Year to date, and again, S&P 500 is up 27.2%. This one trades on a really low volume, much lower than even the QABA. And expenses, though, are a lot less of just 0.29% expense ratio with this one. This one, because it includes the REITs and some of these mortgage products, the P.E. ratio is a little higher here, 16.2. Did I say what the P.E. ratio was on the other one? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, P.E. on QABA is 13.2 right now. So that's 
you know, fairly value oriented. This one a little bit higher, 16.2, but still reasonable. I looked at a couple of the holdings on this one. The biggest holding was Glacier Bank Corp. And that's GBCI. They have a market cap of $4.2 billion. So it's still fairly on the small side with the banks because it's small cap financials. And then Simmons First National, SFNC, is uh, the second holding $3.1 billion. Um, but I feel like with only $127 million in assets in this means nobody wants the smaller banks. But that's what value investors look at. We look at the areas where no money is going in because people think there's nothing going on there. And in this case, there is, but nobody wants um, to get into this. So I really do think that the banks may see the smaller cap banks and even the large cap may see quite a run here in 2020, even with these low rates. And even if the Fed continues to cut maybe in 2020, we don't know. But uh, the banks have been ignored. And even with some of the um, rally this year, they're not really leading the market by any means. And so especially the small caps. So small cap financials in general, if you can find some good names, um, maybe I have to do a whole podcast in 2020 on small cap financials outside of the banks, then, um, you know, that could be an intriguing area. Another couple areas that did not come up on some of the screens, but have been ignored. One of the big ones is agriculture. And I haven't done a podcast on that for a while because some of the ranks have been real bad with uh, the fertilizers, for instance, or even some of the agribusiness or farm equipment, especially. But now that it looks like the Chinese may be back to buying farm products, we could see a bit of a recovery on the farming side. And so some of these stocks that have really been beaten down again um, could see a recovery. So I'm going to be maybe, you know, thinking about doing a show on the podcast for 2020 about where to find some agricultural names because it's one of my favorite areas. And I know if I can get some deals in there, um, it could be an interesting 2020 with some of those names. Another area is shipping or slash like logistics. We just had an earnings warning from Navistar where they're going to be cutting jobs, unfortunately, because a lot of trucks were sold in 2019, but the demand has fallen off a cliff here. And so there's not going to be many more sold in 2020 is basically what they're saying. So too many um, and too high of truck inventory right now. But even just on the logistics side, it's been um, a real uh, bad situation for at least a year. And it's uh, recessionary on that side and on the shipping side in general. So, but that's an area where it's not going to stay down on its luck for forever. So that's another area that I didn't see too many of the stocks showing up. It could be because those earnings estimates continue to be cut, but at some point they will bottom and then turn as the cycle turns. So that's an area to also keep an eye on. And then again, what I said at the beginning of the show, energy, the earnings estimates are already uh, somewhat favorable on the energy side because um, the cuts have already happened. Crude is where it is and it's not, you know, 
surging below $40, for instance. And so the earnings estimates and what the energy companies are going to do in 2020 is, at least for now, while with crude where it is, fairly well understood. So energy has some good Zach's ranks, which is why we're seeing it appear on some of the screens here too. So those are just a few areas. And I'm sure for those of you thinking like you're going to get the hottest stocks for cheap into 2020, that's never the case or rarely with a value. And especially when you have a pretty hot economy, the hottest areas are going to be bid up and growth is going to do really well. But it doesn't mean us value investors are out of luck because some of these areas are going to see a rebound and we're going to need those financials to rebound to really uh, get this market rally up to a whole new level here in 2020 because financials make up a large part of both the S&P 500 still as well as the Russell 2000. Well over 30% of the Russell 2000 is uh, small cap financials. So keep that in mind. But um, we're still, we're getting some interesting plays even when I just do a basic screen here. So that's where you want to start your um, search for good value stocks here in 2020. Don't uh, relive the past of 2019, but look and see where you can find cheapness here in 2020 and where the companies are getting some earnings growth and the analysts are raising earnings estimates, not cutting, but raising. That's where you want to be. So let me recap all the tickers we talked about here. Um, we talked about a couple of retailers. A few have had big runs, so you might want to wait for a pullback. Um, others, not so much. So some of those have interesting earnings estimates. So the first one was Dick Sporting Goods. DKS is the ticker there and Target with that huge run. So I know many of you will be reluctant to get in here, but Target TGT Tilly's kind of an interesting niche play, TLYS. And then we had a couple of smaller banks. We had Bridge Bank Corp, BDGE is that ticker. And then we had First Defiance Financial, F-D-E-F, which is in the Midwest. Then we had the ETF for the community banks, QABA. And then we had Small Cap Financial ETF from Invesco, PSCF. And I didn't mention this earlier, but for the large cap financials, there's just the basic ETF you could be in. And this has been doing well this year. And that's the XLF, of course. That includes all the big banks. So the big banks dominate that one and big insurers too. So if you just want a straight financial ETF, keep that one in mind, the XLF. And as always, uh, this is the final episode for 2019 because 2020 is right around the corner. But I'll be bringing you all these fun podcasts in 2020 because there is a lot going on with us value investors right now. I feel like it's a good time to be a value investor. And I'll be really interested to see what, if anything, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway was buying in this fourth quarter 
Did they add to their energy position when we got those multi-decade lows? I want to say maybe they did. And what are they doing with the retail? They had a big buy into restoration hardware, the RH, in the third quarter, but that soared and it's no longer cheap anymore. Did they poke around some other areas of retail to find some hidden gems? We're going to find out. And I'm also going to bring you some tips, some more tips from Benjamin Graham as we continue to read the intelligent investor and um, get some tidbits from him. I'm going to do some full-fledged shows about what Benjamin Graham would be doing here in these uh, conditions, these market conditions. It's always good when the market is hitting new highs to be reminded of what he looked for in good stocks um, because that is the basis of value investing and he was a big success at it and he's kind of the father of value investing so it's good to be reminded of what he um, you know kept on track and what kept him uh, looking out for the best companies. So I'm going to be covering that as well. Among all these other things, oh, and one area I did not mention on this podcast was the marijuana stocks. Those have really pulled back, but is there value into 2020? Um, there's been a lot of talk about it. I have a couple of marijuana stocks in the value investor portfolio here at Zacks now because I am seeing some value in those names, but they may not be the ones you think. So if you want to check those out, we still have our promotion going on. You can still get that at zax.com slash promo. Just go over there. It's for the ultimate here. You get 30 days for a dollar. You get in there. You can look at all the stocks in all of our portfolios for that 30 days, including the value investor. And you can see what out of the marijuana stocks I'm buying over there. Also buying some of these names I mentioned here too, um, that I think are going to be hot into 2020. So you can check out all of those plus the insider trader and see what the insiders are buying. Cause a lot of times they do buy these value stocks that are beaten down. So some interesting stuff, but a lot of ways to get good stock picks heading into 2020. And then I'll be bringing you even more in 2020. So you want to subscribe. We're on a whole bunch of platforms. Now you can get us on Spotify, of course, and you can get us on Deezer. That's our latest edition. And if there's some other platform you don't find us on, let us know and we'll add it there. But um, of course, we're on Apple and SoundCloud under the Zach's uh, Market Edge podcast over there. But be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see everyone into what looks like it'll be a very interesting year for investors into 2020. I'm excited and you should be too. So I'll see you in 2020 and we'll have some more value stocks. So be sure to join us then. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identify described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.